This week we read The Second Stain. Oh man, we read the sequel before the first one? Is a foot all our buddies welcome back to the final podlum the only sherlock holmes read-through podcast powered by bees i for my part am oh no there's one in the, there's one in the studio once it's cut um, uh for my that part on your toast no hey. <laughs> Give me some for, of that for my That's part mine. i oh no the bees you owe the bees, bees don't like a t- eat honey yeah they do, do. They? Yeah, they, they make it, it. They oh, store they it, eat it too. Yeah, that's, that's like weird. saying you make hamburgers but don't eat them. Like what? <laughs> I, oh yeah, huh? Yeah, that yeah. would make sense. I don't know. I thought they were just little factories and they just made it for us Aww. to put on our toast. <laughs> this is like what cows and milk. This is what Christianity taught us to believe. <laughs> this, this is, is what? this is nature's milk dispenser, just uh, for you. Here's what I learned about bees in school. They exist. Yeah. This is what I learned about bees in school. It's okay to get them. Christian school grades don't count. <laughs> uh, well, welcome yeah. back to the final podlum. Uh, I, for my part, am uh, old CW, and joining me here, as always, is the Nickel Fritz. Is that dude? Yeah. Before we start up, uh, I want to give a shout out to uh, a pair of bull pups, Calder and Samson, over at the Weekly Watsonian uh, podcast that is uh, produced by our good friends and listeners, Sherlock Peoria and Robert Parrott. Uh, they are a couple of real cool Sherlockian dudes. Well, they're specifically Watsonian. Nicholas, <laughs> I don't know how much you listened to of that uh, episode I sent you, but like the whole thing. The, the whole thing. Great. Okay, the, the, <laughs> listeners, the Weekly Watsonian is your source for John Watson minutia at levels that you could not previously have conceived of. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's like, it's a it's a whole other thing. And also, chapter-by-chapter nice, summaries yeah. of a novel about a frozen caveman pirate, which is pretty good. Oh, yeah, no, I love that. Uh, yeah, no, it's kind of like, I had no idea that there was so much, like, right now currently active sherlock holmes yeah. fandom i kind of just assume that the books are so old people are like either bbc sherlock fans right. or they just are reading them by themselves right. but it's actually very active yeah fandom with like tons of people in it go go <laughs> yeah. listen to the weekly watsonian. To the watsonian uh yeah it is it is a hilarious show they look at they look at what is happening in the lives of every john watson you could ever imagine uh in a given week and i recommend the hell out of it um, oh, and also mm-hmm. all of their – so you may recall, not to explain the joke, but you may recall that when we are introduced to Watson in A Study in Scarlet, he says that he has a bull pup, and what the fuck a bull pup is is never quite explained. So every member of this Watsonian society, they take a bull pup name. So bullpups Calder and Samson are um, – Sherlock Peoria and uh, Robert Parrott, respectively. So, oh, who knows? Okay. Maybe, right. maybe we'll be All maybe right. we'll be inducted as honorary members. Maybe we'll get bullpup titles of our. <laughs> I don't know if it's a thing you choose or a thing that is bestowed upon you. Like in sign language, you can't give yourself a name sign. The, the deaf community has to give it to you. Oh, that's rad! Yeah, I love it. Deaf people. I also like rad. how he couldn't pronounce our podcast name but uh, to be fair neither can we yeah no that's that's completely <laughs> so, that's completely <laughs> legitimate yeah i loved that yeah um gentlemen i i always think of him as sherlock peoria but I'm, i believe his name is brad brad you're a cool dude um yeah i just heard him <laughs> heard him say he uh, that well i wanted to thank him for the shout outs is the whole point of this whole thing he gave us a couple shout outs yeah. and said the final pod blem pod pod blem <laughs> and i thought you know what Same. I, know. I heard that and i was like yes it's a meme yes it's a meme now it is caught <laughs> very good <laughs> Hold on. All right. One other person did it. 
Yes. All right. All right. Well, let's let's jump in here. Uh, this is a yeah. pretty good story. I liked this one a lot. Me too. Yeah, it's one of my favorites. The episode is also extremely good. Um, not to bring everything back to Jeremy Brett, but yeah, no, it starts out with uh, Watson talking about the. Uh, there's a little note on chronology at the beginning, which is really I'm sure to like Sherlockian scholars. Uh, I'm, oh, yeah. This would have been me at one point. Um, it might be me still later. I don't know. Uh, just the order in which. I, I don't think the story the stories aren't published in quotes like the the hmm the the timeline of the canon is very unclear right and as are the order of the stories right and this one is so I, I feel like this might have just been Conan Doyle like kind of making a joke out of it and like the stories are so impossible to place time wise that we're not even going to give you a date on this one it happened on a day it was yeah. Thursday that's all you get kind of thing don't worry about and, it. and uh I quite like that. Um, and it's also the first, I think it's the first mention of Sherlock Holmes retiring to do beekeeping yes. in the Sussex Downs. And I just, it, from the first time I read that, I was like, just so charmed by it. I'm like, beekeeping? Yeah. Why? <laughs> but okay. I love it. It is the way of um, things. Once you've been a consulting detective for long enough, you just retire to be an apiarist. I, yeah, the only natural, I, I don't know, maybe it's just because bees are sort of scientific in a way you have to they kind of are. know a bit about yeah they're they, logical they've got their own yeah, yeah uh, they recently discovered method, actually that bees uh are capable this sounds like i'm leading into a lie to fool you and it's not um this <laughs> right. uh, yeah the, I appreciate that disclaimer I, for once no yeah um <laughs> every every damn time i gotta do it now i tell you once about a can <laughs> of crab wax and now <laughs> speaking of which where is the crab fan art community Right? Well, I think that was so early on, we didn't have time for the... The animal mascot meme hadn't caught off yet. It hadn't yet, caught yet. We can yet, retroactively need, induct the... We need the... Yeah, crab we need Crabra Cadabra, the wonderful Wizard of Claws. Yeah. We need Citizen Snips up in here. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. Um, They're a magician duo. They are a magician duo. We love They're the a... art. We love the art <laughs> so much. The timeline is weird and wiggly. In fact, over on um, the Weekly Watsonian, they have a segment called Watson Does Not Lie, which is apparently a thing. It is known that Watson does not lie. And so they try mm-hmm. to stack up all the all of the seemingly contradictory things that Watson says and somehow try yeah. to make them make sense. It's so good. Um, but one of them I was like, that. they compared all of the in-world dates that are referenced, and they determined that Watson just didn't do anything in 1896. <laughs> like, there, there are no mentions <laughs> of the year. <laughs> He just chilled. Yeah, they just took the year yeah. off. It was fine. <laughs> but yeah, the, the, the timeline and the chronology are intentionally muddled um, with that usual excuse that has actually been used a couple times before that uh, Watson had sworn not to release it and um, had every intention of letting Holmes retire uh, since, quote, notoriety had become hateful to him. Uh, but mm-hmm. he had been bound previously by a promise to release the story of the second stain when the times were ripe, since it dealt with the most important international case which has which we have ever been called upon to handle. So mm-hmm. we flash back to Anywen. Um, yeah, there's a uh, there's even like uh, there's even uh, uh, people suggest guess suggesting or guessing that he purposefully obscures dates, right, in order to like you know. Uh, conceal clients' uh, anonymity. There we go. Anonymity. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. and that's that's a thing too. Is that like because these deal in in theory this this story deals with real or in world real political powers mm-hmm. by saying yeah. a certain foreign potentate. 
Wink, wink. Nudge, but, nudge. Right. It can yeah. be. It yeah. can be fucking whoever. It doesn't matter. It's exactly. Fine. It's, yeah. So twenty years later. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like the be, president of the United States, and then you're like furiously like looking up who was the president in this year. Like, you know, exactly. like who was it? Who was? Did the they have a president? Was America just sticks? <laughs> Answer. <laughs> it's like yes, but now it's it's like watching a movie where someone has to play the president and they have to just make up a president. Yeah, that's always weird. <laughs> like, I mean, it's weirder some when they use a white real guy. one, but still. Yeah. Yeah, no, it is weirder. I don't like that. I saw, like, Obama or something in Pacific Rim for a couple seconds and I was like, I no. don't like that very no, much. I don't want to no, even think that this movie could be real. But, uh, yeah. Uh, also, I have a note here specifically about the beekeeping that says, don't plug Mr. Holmes again. Or do. <laughs> because because <laughs> Mr. Holmes is set, the movie with Ian McKellen is set uh, during Holmes's retirement, sure. and it has a lot of like stuff about <laughs> the bees and beekeeping in it. It's a great movie. Watch right it, on. please. Yeah, I we're definitely going to be watching that. Oh, by the way, uh, thank you, listeners. Uh, the Holmes and Watson episode, which we were very nervous about for what we felt were very <laughs> good reasons, uh, has received uh, a welcome, most warm and enthusiastic, and we very much appreciate that. To that end. Uh, if you would enjoy hearing us talk about more movies, such as Mr. Holmes, which I know is on Nick's list mm-hmm. to get through, um, you can become a Patreon donor. You can find us at semiautomagic.com. Or, no, that's not true. Well, you can. That's the website. <laughs> you can find us on Patreon at semiautomagic. And five bucks a month gets you every week's episode early, some bonus materials we're considering. And once we start recording these uh, monthly movie reviews, it'll get you that at uh, the, this as well. I'll probably stick this at the end of the episode. But I didn't want to let an opportunity pass by. I wanted to strike while the iron was hot. Yep. So, you're good. Mr. Holmes, go watch it. Now, what story did we read? Here it is. Um, (laughs) No, because we were... Okay, so we flash back to Anywen, and there Mm. are European visitors to Baker Street, which made me wonder, even then, they said European, and and did Britain not count as Europe? Like, even pre-Brexit? I don't... I always just assumed it it was... It, it did because like, like the rest of Europe... the rest of the world definitely considers Britain to be Europe, right? Like I know America yeah. does. Well, I looked it up, and apparently, yeah, okay, because no, no. there's there's yeah. the UK, which is you know uh-huh. Britain, Ireland, Scotland, Wales, and I think a couple other things, and then they cons- right, yeah. they consider themselves to be separate from Europe, but the rest of the world is like, nah, y'all Europe. So <laughs> I don't know. It's confusing. It's like how when people who don't do drugs say dope, they mean marijuana. And when people who do drugs say dope, they mean heroin. So I think <laughs> yeah. it's I think it's 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 talking from two different standpoints. <laughs> but, um, yeah. They have Yeah, I get it's yeah, I don't know. I don't either. I don't know Whatever. Uh they have two visitors there. They one of yep. them is uh we have Lord Bellinger, who, if I understood correctly, is the prime minister in this story. And Yes. I don't know if he was real or not. I'm gonna look it up right now. Lord I, Bellinger. It says twice Premier of England. Premier, is that another word for Prime Minister? I believe like, so, yes. Like antiquated or Prime something? Minister, yeah. Premier, yeah. List of fictional okay. Prime Ministers of the United Kingdom. Okay, so no, this guy was not okay. real. All right. So, okay. yes, <laughs> he is there. Uh, he is lean and dominant along with a young man called Trelawney Hope, who is dark mm-hmm. and stylish and the Secretary for European Affairs. They, Mm -hmm. despite being two men big in government and high in power and status, are both nervous and fidgetsome. Why are they so Mm. fidgetsome, Nick? So, there was a letter that the Premier received. Wait, 
Yes, he he received it. Go on, secretary. Be very wrong, but go on. (laughs) His secretary received it, right? Right. That's what secretaries do. And it was a letter from a foreign minister, and we don't know who. It's very vague. We never find out. Holmes knows. Holmes knows who it is, but we don't. And it actually doesn't really matter. Um, but you kind of are just meant to assume it's. I I don't know. I I thought maybe America. I don't know. (laughs) There was there wasn't. Because it's it will we'll get to what was in the in the letter later, but I don't think there was anything strongly enough implied to like. Yeah, there there really aren't enough clues to point any which to, way to any specific than, figure or country. Or if there are clues, then they are so lost on us in our modern context that it doesn't matter anyway. It doesn't matter, but yeah, and but at one point Holmes writes the name of him on a right. uh, piece of paper and shows it to him, and yeah. the minister is like, "Yep, that's him." Is uh, this your dictator? The reader, yeah, <laughs> the reader doesn't know. Uh, so yeah, the a letter a letter is received that's very um, just like it was obviously just like dashed off by this le- this foreign leader himself, right? Of his own accord, no one else approved it, and he just sent it off in like a moment of hot headedness, right? And on its own wouldn't necessarily be that big a deal right. but now the letter is missing and if anyone found it and published the letter yeah. it would lead to very bad public feeling and almost certainly war yes it is an yeah. atom bomb in an envelope uh it was mm-hmm. not run by any of his ministers it was not he just sent it out like a 3 a.m tweet from a certain giant umpalumpa <laughs> we all know and uh i'm just picturing it as like a piece of paper with like the official steel of whoever the dignitary was at the top and just bitch in like the <laughs> fanciest like yep. cursive script and that's it and then signed at the bottom and that's it yep. <laughs> you are cordially invited to die mad about it yes <laughs> very good uh, <laughs> dear yeah. sir wouldst thou care to catch these hands <laughs> uh, okay uh, so yeah. The letter arrived <laughs> six days ago and was so important, mm. was of such world-breaking moment that uh, Trelawney Hope took it home every night and put it in a lockbox just like every other idiot in these stories does, and it always right, ends badly. Just, you know, moving it back and forth like, oh yeah, an important priceless document that right. could possibly be replaced. Better not put this in my safe. Better take no. it home with me in my Better not leave this pocket. at the government where I work. <laughs> God. Right. <laughs> Maybe don't take um, the government documents home, guy. I don't know. Just just don't do that. Just don't. Um, so, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, the letter's missing. This is very bad. Uh, they, uh, I, I, they, he, they show up. He tells the story. He, um, Trelawney Hope is kind of just, they're, they're just both, uh, Hope is kind of just a mess. Yeah. Uh, the minister is also a mess, but holding it together a little better. And... They both, they both just kind of, there's this whole, Holmes does a lot of bluffing in this uh, yes. story, which is kind of nice. Uh, it starts with the, he, he asks, uh, he's asking them a bunch of questions about the letter. And then finally he gets to, okay, so what was in the letter? Right. Like, what was the letter about? You had like this, you, I need to know this. And the minister really doesn't want to tell him. He kind of is like, well, you know, he describes it, it the envelope the, itself. He starts he says, describing he the envelope. He says it's long and, the and thin like, and blue. Right. Well, it looked like this, and it had it was addressed to. And Holmes was like, "No, I need to know what was yeah. in the le- what was the letter about." And the minister's like, "Well, I'm afraid I can't tell you that. It's rah, rah, too rah. Right. whatever." And Holmes is like, "Well, then I'm afraid I can't help you. Bye." Yeah. And he's literally it. just like, "See ya. Got, I, sorry, I couldn't help watched. you guys." And they do. And the, um, and the prime minister and Trelawney Hope they do a thing I love 
so much. It's such an easy visual mm-hmm. trope, but it's it's so powerful and it conveys so much. When uh, there are two people sitting on one side of like a desk or a table or something like that, and somebody on the other side says something, and both people just look at each other for a second and just like mm-hmm. let the silent conversation transpire between them. Oh, it's so good. I don't know why I love it so much, but I do. So they do that. And then again, which is a first in my experience, they just straight refuse. They tell Holmes, look, I I can't do this. And then Holmes says, well, okay, then uh, feel free to quit wasting our time and evacuate the premises. Like, I don't know what you're doing here if you're not going to be straight with me. Um, The premier, he flusters and blusters, but eventually deflates, admitting that Holmes is correct and it is not reasonable of them to expect him to act without all of the facts at their disposal, without their full confidence. Yeah. And they bind Holmes and Watson by their honor as subjects of the crown to their utmost discretion and secrecy. Mm-hmm. I also love how everyone... It's kind of a thing in these stories where everyone just takes for granted that Watson is utterly necessary, right. despite having absolutely, I assume, no idea who he is, other than Sherlock Holmes' associate. Right. It's just kind of like... Like, the whole joke in Holmes and Watson where it's just like, Sherlock Holmes has solved this case. The guy he works with coming right. to, I guess. And it's Famous detective like, and his accessory. Like, yes. Right, and just even to, like, the extent of the premiere of England, just like, like, thank you, Mr. Holmes. I Your, your utter secrecy is appreciated. Right. And also this other guy's, too, I guess. Like, yeah. kind of just, like, they just take it for, I, I mean, I guess if Holmes's name is big enough. It's kind of just like if he says Watson is as important and trustworthy right. as him, people will just believe it. He can vouch for him. It's fine. Comes, you know? Yeah. So yeah, but it's just still kind of like Watson just standing there, like sweating under his yep. hat. <laughs> like, oh I guess God. I'm being bound into <laughs> yeah. secrecy too. So yes, Holmes guesses who it is. Um, yep. The government boys tell him that they have spoken to him. So the the, the crux here, the the threat, the sword hanging over the situation is that whoever has this letter could profit by uh, publishing it because this would provoke Mm -hmm. war between this unnamed country and England and it's someone could very easily, like a third party, like France or fucking whoever, I don't know, could very easily play a (laughs) game of let's you and him fight and then whoever won that fight would be weakened and easy pickings to be taken over by a third party. So... This is a a real international politics hand grenade. But they checked with the guy who wrote it, and he said, yeah, like, nah, dog, I I should not have sent that. I am sorry. Um, Please do not let that get published, because going to war with England, yeah, has not historically been a great idea. And (laughs) Wakes up hungover the next morning, oh, shoot, what did I write? Exactly. He sent an (laughs) intoxogram. First person ever to regret one. (laughs) And yep. <laughs> and going to war, it would cost this guy way more than it would cost England. He would definitely be the loser in that exchange. So he'll, he's willing to do everything possible. Mm-hmm. Um, Bellinger, mm-hmm. the minister, he tells Trelawney Hope, he says, No one can blame you. There is no precaution which you have neglected. Uh, except maybe not taking government documents home. I feel like his boss should be angrier with him I, about this than he is. I know. I really do, too. It's like... Dude, really? Like, I, I don't know why this is such a, this is such a thing in these stories, why no one is, like, surprised that he, the letter was so important he took it home. It's right. Like, no, it's, of course. A priceless crown. The safe, of course no you one took would, it home. Sure. You know, it's, yeah. Just keep it in your I, pantry. Yeah, I don't know. So, uh, yeah, the minister, uh, minister says, Now, Mr. Holmes, you are in full possession of the facts. What course do you recommend? You think, sir, that unless this document is recovered, there will be war? 
I think that is very probable. Then, sir, prepare for war. Ah, beans. Beans on toast, my lord. (laughs) Right, Holmes just drops that, like, well... Yeah, prepare for war. That was so good. Prepare for war. That was another moment, like, in in the solitary cyclist, when it all came together, and and the guy said, uh, like, ah, she's my wife, you're too late, pal. And he says, no, she's your widow. Like, I wanted to turn around, tell the people at work, (laughs) I want to be like, have you guys read this shit? (laughs) (laughs) I know, that was really good. It's one of those things that would just play off so well in, like, a movie, and that's when, like, the oh, yeah. freaking background music would just swell with, like, the trumpets and strings and everything. It's Exactly, good. and he would and he would say shit. it, um, oh, prepare for war, and it would it would linger on him for a second, do the steely glance. Ah, so good. So, Holmes mm-hmm. begins to work the problem. He concludes that it must have been taken uh, while Trelawney Hope and his wife were out, and by now, it's, it's in the wind. It is gone, baby, gone. There is simply nothing for right. it. Uh, it must have been taken mm-hmm. by a thief, who would in turn take it to a spy or secret agent, because this is the world we live in. Um, <laughs> Holmes is going to make the rounds on the leaders in that field. He's going to see the big names, and if uh, one has gone missing, yeah. uh, like if if one of them recently just vanished in the last couple days, it'll point them in the right direction. So the boys are going to get cracking on that. The government boys are going to keep everybody apprised, and uh, we'll all meet up back here for Orange Slices and Capri Sun afterwards. What happens next, Nicholas? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, he, he goes to, um, he's got like a top four list of the spies that he knows of in the area right. and where they live, obviously, because he's Sherlock Holmes. And, um, he's like, well, all right, I'm like, see you later, Watson. I'm off to go check on these guys. I'm going to start right. with, uh, this guy named Eduardo Lucas. And Watson's like, uh, no, you're not. And Holmes is like, why not? And he's like, because that guy's dead now. And, um, you've been homes, bitch. It, and, <laughs> and that takes him off guard. I'm trying to find the exact spot. It did. It catches him um, off guard. Well, and the thing I really like is yeah. that Holmes has determined that the most elegant solution here is just to find who has the letter and just buy it himself. Because he's got the entire national right? treasury at his disposal. What the fuck? Like, yeah, he's like, <laughs> exactly. It's a really interesting yeah, like, idea that I'm no sad problem. we didn't get to see. We'll just buy it. Yeah. Like, yeah, I liked yeah. this story. I liked it, where it went, but I, I actually really would have liked just Holmes being like, I'm good at crime. <laughs> but yeah, there are, there are three, um, yeah. there are three thief masters, uh, who could have pulled this off. There's mm-hmm. Oberstein, La Raffier, and Eduard Lucas. And he's gonna go to see each of them. Mm-hmm. But no, no, Edward Lucas, Eduard Lucas is dead. Yep. Yeah, Watson's looking at the paper. Uh, there's a whole article about it. Um, this guy, uh, Mr. Lucas is apparently, uh, uh, he's obviously they're not going to say he was a spy. He was a <laughs> let's see what does it say an unmarried man of thirty four, uh, uh, charming personality and best amateur tenor in the country. Yeah, so, or one of the best amateur tenors in the country. You know, um, and like all crimes people, uh, a singer. I don't know. Of course, just a thing. Of course, <laughs> Doyle, Doyle must have known some shady opera performers. Yeah. I don't know. So he was um, he was found but, dead. Um, he was killed with his own stabbed dip. through the heart. Yes. With yes. his own decorative with, uh, ornamental knife, yeah, and there was nothing obviously taken from the place. So it wasn't it wasn't for burglarment's sake. Yeah, it was obviously a a crime of passion or some kind of. It was just it was straight up murder. Right. There was no other. Or if there were there fish no involved, attention. it could have been a crime of poisson. A Keep crime it. of fashion. <laughs> if you are. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. 
Leave me alone. <laughs> Edit it out. Nope. <laughs> Make me sound better in post. <laughs> um, oh, God. But, yeah, this guy's real dead. Um, <laughs> just don't keep weapons on your wall. Like, if you don't, don't do get it, murdered, it never ends well. Either your son you is going to use them to poison a baby, or you're just going to get stabbed through the heart. <laughs> it's a bad time. It's okay, like so. You're risking a lot there by just hanging knives on your wall and having enemies. Hanging knives and taking <laughs> lives in your hands. Um, At the same time. They yeah. conclude. They compare the timelines. <laughs> yeah. They compare the timelines here yeah. and conclude mm-hmm. that this, this murder had to have been undertaken shortly after or around the time of the burglement of the letter from Jelani Hope's house. And this, she cannot be coincidence. So now it is up to them to make the connection right. because the police only know what they saw at Lucas's house because, and this is an important matter we should have touched on earlier, the Prime Minister and Secretary for European Affairs cannot, will not, and must not bring this to public attention because knowledge of the fact that this letter exists is as bad as the letter itself being released. So... Mm-hmm. The police do yeah. not have the entire picture. They only have the picture they see at Lucas's house. So, Lucas was the frontman suspect because he lived closest to the letter theft. Now, Nicholas, I believe the boys have a visitor upon their door. Who arrives next? Yes, immediately after this mm-hmm. uh, happens, uh, Lady Hilda Trelawney Hope uh, shows up, or her card shows up, and then mm-hmm. she follows it. Uh, and this is... Uh, the secretary's wife correct and we have no idea why why she's there uh and she she comes in she uh introduces herself and she uh she claims to just want to know what the letter was about what's going what, on what, what how important was the letter uh w might to i ask be concerned for her husband's yeah 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 be concerned for her husband and uh and etc but during this whole kind of exchange she's acting very suspicious. Super and the first one of the first things she does is go and sit down, and she specifically chose, chooses a chair uh, that has its back to the window, so the light coming in from the window um, obscure will obscure her, her facial yeah, expression, so you can't read her. Yeah, what she's what she's uh, like her facial expressions, and she has a conversation with Holmes where she tries really hard to get him to tell her what's going on and what the letter was about and how important it was. And Holmes is just kind of like, listen, I made a promise to, I know it's your husband, but I made a promise that I would not, I right. can't say anything. I really can't. Like, I'm yeah, bound she actually, she professional attempts, secrecy. she actually attempts mm-hmm. to bind Holmes and Watson into not telling anyone that she has visited them. And Holmes says like, look, I'll, I'll hear you out. Like I'll help if I can, but you can't, you can't ask me to make that promise blind. Right. So she's, she is up to something. Yeah, and by the end of it, the only thing she's really able to determine is that the letter is extremely important and there will be public consequences if it's not found. And right. her husband's career will definitely suffer. It'll just, it'll harm him a lot. Right. And she's obviously, like, really upset by this, but doesn't really try to get anything more out of Holmes after that. Right. Uh, she's she's kind of just like, well, okay. She takes her leave. Yeah, that's what yeah. I, yeah, suspected, and then she leaves. And Holmes is like... Well, that was weird. Yeah. <laughs> like, what was that all about? Um, basically, he's like, well, what did she really want? Hey, Watson, you, you know, you know, right. from <laughs> hey, Watson, you what know was what that about? <laughs> and, yeah. And Watson just says, I mean, she told us, like, she, she told us why. <laughs> At which point Holmes says, right. Forgot who I was talking to. Okay. I'm off to the murder scene. Right, exactly. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like Watson's like, well, obviously she just meant exactly what she said. Just take her word, takes her word for it. It's, it's really, it's like, it's kind of a, fun character moment there of Holmes just 
I don't. It's just like it lots really of is. Women. You were married to one once, right? Well, and it's and it's honestly <laughs> yes. Well, yeah, it's uh, <laughs> one of the things that makes me appreciate the weekly, the weekly Watsonian. Actually, is that like they really they really see Watson as like this beacon of like wholesomeness and goodness in these stories so filled with murder so filled with skullduggery and he's just like well mm-hmm. no i think she told us Holmes. you gotta listen that's what it is you gotta listen for the words and right. then when she's told you the words you'll know why she was here it seems like you ever think oh no i've become the straight never mind <laughs> uh, i was uh, like this accent sounds familiar yes <laughs> but yeah um lestrade and watson they went to school together it was fine there's a um there's a line in I think one of the very la- if not the last story that Doyle wrote where Holmes calls Watson the one fixed point in a changing age Aww. and it's just kind of like Watson is so just consistent and steadfast yeah and I mean he needs to be as like a literary device of but course. also just I don't know it's it's nice to have that one friend who's just kind of always like the same just yeah. like reliable not in like they don't ever like learn or grow but like they they have certain it's nice when you have like a thing that can know, be just, relied upon. You know a constant. Yeah, 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 yeah. I totally yeah. get what you mean. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. So, and Lucas's murder <laughs> is declared murder and then put away forever with no conclusion. <laughs> um, his 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 valet uh, was arrested immediately just on general principles, just so they could say they had done something. But he was quickly exonerated. Yeah, they're like, oh, we arrested someone. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It's they, yeah, fine. they had no proof. It was it was thrown no. out almost immediately. He had an alibi. He had evidence or, for everything that you know would, that could have been used against him or anything. Exactly. It was, like, yeah. it was reality like was part of his testimony. Absolutely. Um, yeah. <laughs> so then a Parisian telegram arrives and this this telegram expresses to Holmes that a lady, Madame Henri Fomet, was reported to the authorities by her servants as being insane, <laughs> which made me very happy. Um, I have to find new. I, I just listened to Holmes and Watson, and I said that like forty fucking times in a row. I have to find new ways of expressing things I like than just saying that made me happy. Right. <laughs> uh, well, it appears to transpire yeah. <laughs> that her husband was actually Edouard Lucas, who had been living with her in France as Monsieur Henri Formaya, not as Casey originally thought when he was reading, not living in France as Madame Formaya, because the um, French honorific <laughs> prefixes were very confusing to me. But you must admit... That's... You must admit... That's if it, a real deep double life there. Well, yeah, if that's it turned so out that this guy <laughs> was just being a Parisian dame off there in his free time, that also would have been a very good story. I love that concept, just ultimate ultimate undercover yep and like undiscoverable i love it uh i wish almost that that were the case because right? this story does not treat its women very well honestly it um, it doesn't kind of a kind of a kind of a loss there for the for the for the girls in this one yeah, yeah it's, it's just yeah this this french lady is uh is really just there to be jealous and insane yep that's it that's her purpose yeah so Um, she discovered that he had been leaving this leading this double life and working theory is that she either discovered the ruse and then either killed him while insane or killed him then went insane and in either case returned Mm -hmm. to paris afterward as is the custom when you've gone insane and murdered your husband and Holmes gets super frustrated, uh, which was a lot of fun. He basically says, well, that was an unhelpful waste of time. 
Was Lucas even connected to this at all? Or was it just some kind of big stupid coincidence that happens all the time because the universe is an idiot? Did he ever have the letter? Mm -hmm. If so, does she have it now? Is there any way for us to find out that won't get us arrested? God, fuck this. (laughs) (laughs) It's almost like, it's almost like he realizes what a freaking, like, this coincidence, it is a coincidence, sort of, but it also needs to happen. Yeah. For the rest of the plot to unfold, yeah. So like, it's a co- it's a convenient coincidence from a reader of the story's perspective. Right. But as someone in the story, like as Holmes, it is very frustrating. It's kind of like he's getting mad at the narrative itself. He it's, is. It's pretty funny. Yeah. It, it's again, like Doyle, come on. Yeah. Come on, he's, man. He's, really? He just he really, <laughs> he really thinks the world could stand to be a bit more orderly. <laughs> so. News uh, arrives from Lestrade, and they are to go to the murder house in Westminster where Edouard Lucas was killed. Uh, after his burial, Edouard Lucas's burial, the constabulary were sorting the place out, and in moving the corpse rug, you know, the customary British corpse rug, yeah. they found a stain on the bottom, but no corresponding floor stain. There is another stain just yonder that matches, and plainly is where from the corpse rug was dragged. But whom and why? Right, apparently, Lestrade apparently drags Holmes down to this to this case specifically to show him this. He's like, right. I don't even know if he's intending to call Holmes before he sees the stain. It's just at that point, I don't know. I, don't know, I think uh, Lestrade is pretty confident when they show up. I don't think he's really at a loss. I think he's just like, oh, that's kind of weird. Probably doesn't have anything to do with the crime, but I'll, I'll call my buddy Sherlock down. He likes weird shit. Right. And <laughs> Holmes shows up and Lestrade's like, hey, check this out. And yeah, so... As soon as Holmes sees this, he has a realization, right. which you don't know what it is yet, but... Pieces um, click in his he, head. He realizes something and immediately is like, hey, Lestrade, that constable out there guarding the front door, go, he knows something, go him grill, go him and grill him about it. Just go and just, just in, you know, in Beat another room so that he's trying to get, he's trying to get Lestrade out of the room. Right. And, um, yeah, go be the confession out of this, this constable. And Lestrade immediately is just like, no idea Holmes is just literally just making up an excuse to get him oh, out yeah. of the room oh well by George if he knows I'll have it out of him and he runs out to go to kill the constable and immediately as soon as Lestrade is gone Holmes is like Watson quick we gotta move this rug Watson they, now he yanks go, the rug go, off, go, go. and he starts like scrambling around the floor and this this scene is so dramatic it plays out so funny honestly this whole story is really funny in a lot of ways but it this is. scene sp- particularly is freaking hysterical so Lestrade runs out Holmes is who is acting completely calm and collected and mildly interested this whole time just drops every facade and is just like madly scrambling on the floor like a cat chasing after the red that's what I was gonna say or a raccoon (laughs) or a raccoon um as apparently I as apparently they do that yes Um, or a cheetah and he or yes, or a cheetah. I'm sure they do that. Do they do that too? Cheetahs? I would imagine. God, In I my experience, so. cats is I, they cats, must. right? I mean, yeah, cats is the same. Yeah, yeah. they they see a box, and they sit in it. <laughs> if they fits, um, they sits. But, oh. <laughs> but they fits, they sits. Cats are so good. Um, <laughs> they are. Uh, so yeah, so Holmes, who we're sure is part cat or something, yes. Um, he finds he's scrambling around and he finds a hidden compartment in the floorboards and the wood like one of the wood panels bends back like uh, on hinges like a door. Yes, and a floor there's a door, compartment if you underneath. Will. He digs a yeah a floor door. <laughs> he he digs around in there and it's what it was good. <laughs> it was just just the exhausted acknowledgement that yes a floor door case. <laughs> 
Yes, Casey, Florida. Yeah, we, yeah, we got it. Uh, <laughs> uh, the Floridor. Fuck <laughs> whatever else I was gonna say. No, he's okay. He's found the floor. I was doing so good remembering the events of the story. I'm very sorry. And then he got to throw a wrench in it by a joke. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, so he finds the... (laughs) Just drink your Diet Coke, Casey, and let me finish my... I'm out of Coke! I'm sorry. Go ahead. Finish your thought, by all means. (laughs) All right. Um, so yeah, there's nothing, and there's nothing in the, um, in the secret panel. And Holmes is frustrating. He he gives himself a second to just be like, like, mad about it, and then immediately, uh, gets up again and they throw the rug back and by the time Lestrade re-enters the room he's like leaning against the mantelpiece mm-hmm. like calmly pretending it's like the whole act natural kind of thing oh, which yeah. is just like just actively really bored like he's like pretending he's so like good. pretending to stifle yawns and stuff like that um so yeah uh Lestrade comes back with the constable and the constable admits that he did let someone into the crime scene um and it was a lady who had co- who was I don't know, coming there for oh, she something was answering about a, a job advert, for a typist. Yeah. Yeah. She was advertising a job advert and realized that there was like a murder scene going on. She was talking to the constable and he's like, and she's like, Oh, can I look like that sounds interesting. And the constable being an idiot, uh, right. is like, yeah, yeah, sure. You know, what's the harm? Um, and he shows her into the room and this is all related by the, the constable later. Um, he, he showed her into the room, and immediately upon seeing the blood, she faints. Right. He leaves her right away to go get some brandy, which I guess, but also I feel like, I don't know. I feel like if someone fainted, the first thing I would do would be to, like, try to wake him up. Well, I mean, or, he like, tried water. I don't know. He went to get her a glass of water first, and the water didn't work. So then he said, well, there are only, oh, okay. there are only two liquids I know of, so <laughs> time to try the second one. <laughs> Fair. Yeah, this is Victoria. Yeah, you're right. Um... So yeah, and then, uh, so he tried water and he went back to get the brandy and by the time he got back, she was gone. Right. And they're, and they're like, uh, and she was gone and the rug was askew. Yeah. And, oh really? Okay. Right. And he straightened it out because he, (laughs) because he's a well-meaning idiot. (laughs) This poor guy. Um, but is, so yeah, she, uh, so he tells them all this and straight who had no idea about this whatsoever no. immediately takes all the it's like well that'll show you not to you can't get anything you know what me. here i'm gonna i have and, the, i have uh, the i have the quote here i'm gonna put i'm gonna send it to you on discord i, I want please, you i want you yeah. to recite this go ahead okay lestrade it's a lesson to you that you can't deceive me constable mcpherson said lestrade with dignity no doubt you thought that your breach of duty could never be discovered and yet a mere glance at the at that drug it was enough to convince me that someone had been admitted to the room oh lestrade <laughs> oh buddy he's so proud oh, he's like he's like those pictures you see of like a dog whose face is partially hidden behind a curtain and they're just acting so proud and don't realize that 90 percent of their body is on full display <laughs> And his tail's like wagging from under the exactly. Curtain. He's so proud it's with dignity. <laughs> yes. Oh man. Well, you know, I, this, this evening started out like so any other murder investigation. I got a boba tea on the way over here, and I thought, you know, I saw this, <laughs> I saw this rug, and I thought I'd get my mate Sherlock down here. I never thought I'd get the chance to impress him with my knowledge of deductive reasoning, but here we are. And I suppose I'll have Constable McPherson <laughs> to thank for that. Maybe I'll get him a gift certificate to the Benny Hanna. They give me a discount. I'm there every week anyway, so they know me. It's fine. I can get him a gift card. Boba tea, boba tea, boba tea. <laughs> That's why it's called boba tea. When you're drinking, yeah. it makes that sound. <laughs> it goes boba, boba. Oh, my God. 
Wait, what? I don't know. I've never had boba tea. I just know you get a giant straw. No, I'm pretty sure that's right. I'm pretty sure that's right. <laughs> that sounds um, right. What else could it possibly be? There's no explanation. What else could it possibly be? Nope. So, um, McPherson was yeah. bamboozled by his visitors' feminine wiles, which were apparently potent. And at this point, uh, Holmes <laughs> declares that he has solved it. There will not be any war, and everyone's asses are saved. Frabjous day, mm-hmm. Kalu Kalei, etc. To Whitehall Terrace. What happens at Whitehall Terrace, Nick? Oh, before, right as they're, and as they're leaving the house yep. as well, um, in front of the constable, they wait. Does it? Does it tell? Does it, does it say? I don't know. He, does it what? Yes. It, so Holmes. So what? they're so tell as us. they're leaving, Nick. Sorry, you gotta <laughs> tell us. I will. I will. You gotta tell us what the thing says. Um. So as they are leaving the house, um, are you still glad I took the gloves off, buddy? <laughs> are you still glad I cheat you like I treat Dylan when he's trying to run D and D for us? <laughs> oh man! Oh poor Dylan! <laughs> that long suffering—the most long suffering of mortals. I'm pretty convinced that most of my friends are friends with me because they know that doing so is an exercise in patience, and that eventually they will be better people for it. I'm. <laughs> I gotta get good somehow, right? Um. So. Uh. So as they're leaving, um, Holmes shows Holmes pulls something out of his pocket and shows it to him, shows it to the constable, uh-huh. and the constable makes a facial expression or like a noise of recognition. Right. And Holmes is like, "Okay, cool," and he leaves. You don't know what it is. You don't know what he showed him. Yet. Okay, um, that explains and, something and I was confused just... about later in the story because I wondered yeah. where the fuck that thing came from. <laughs> but that makes sense now. I guess I just missed that sentence. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, no, I I only knew about it because I was because <clears throat> I was looking for it. Okay, because this story is um, uh, in in the TV series adaptation. It's one of my favorite episodes, mm-hmm. and so I watched it a lot of times. And so I was reading it, and again, it's also it's basically word for word and scene for scene. Nice for the episode. So I didn't so much read this story as rewatch the episode in my mind sure, fair <laughs> as I read it. Totally fair. Um, but yeah, so. Uh, yeah, uh, so they go, they go right from there to, um, it's Whitehall Terrace, is that the name of the it house? It is, it's Whitehall Everyone's Terrace. Everyone's houses have names. I know. Um, I wish my house had a name. There is nothing, no law of man or God is preventing you from naming your home, dude. Bag end is already taken, so I gotta think of something better. Not by anybody alive. <laughs> that, you know what? <laughs> You're right. I'm saying. The Tolkien Estate, and if the Tolkien Estate wants to show up at my house, I will welcome them in with tea. Yeah. Uh, They'll so, be so thrown. Um, <laughs> right. Um, so, yeah, uh, so they go to the, and, uh, they're greeted by Lady, um, Hilda Trelawney Hope. Yes. And everyone's name, everyone's house has a name and everyone has four names. It's true. Or five. Yeah. Depending on, uh, uh, I, I'm very poor, so I can only afford three names. It's so, true. Uh, so, yeah, so they show up, she greets them, and she's kind of like, what are you doing here? What the you hell? Know, you uh, said you'd be cool. Like, why are you bothering me? And Holmes kind of just is like, hey, you know, we, we know everything. Well, just t- tell us where the letter is. He he basically is just, he walks in, tell us where the letter is, and she, right. for like a whole page, refuses. Yeah, she just yells <laughs> um, for security. It's, and Holmes... 
he does this, it, yeah. he does a thing that is really shitty when it happens in real life but actually makes a lot of sense here he says look hand it over and everything will be fine or i will have no choice but to expose you and that's a really shitty thing that a lot of times men or people in positions of power or in abusive relationships do like look what you made me do well if you hadn't done that i wouldn't have had to you know wallop you about the bracket this is the bracket. It's the the general mm-hmm. bracket area. I'm gesturing to my face pipe, listeners. But um, <laughs> but in this case, like Holmes isn't intending to threaten her in in like a personal intimidatory sense. He's just saying like, look, right. these these are the mechanics. This is the series of events that is in place, and you can either have it turn out this way or this way. Holmes is just the he's sort of choice, yeah. really. Like he's he's like, hey, I really don't want to do this, but I will if I have to because you don't understand. The, the scale of what's going on here the situation yeah. or yeah um and he so yeah the uh you find out basically that she and she finally admits that she's finally like all right you know uh, i'll i'll first he's like okay well first give me the letter so she pulls out or a, she she goes and gets the um the dispatch box which is where well, first people kept their important papers yeah but first, this is important. Um, Holmes just lays his cards mm-hmm. on the table. He says, look, I know you took the letter. I know you gave it to Lucas. I know you returned last night to retrieve it from beneath the carpet. And I have a cardboard face to prove it. And he pulls out the thing yeah. that we mentioned earlier. It was a, like a silhouette. I don't know if they did that. When you were when you were like in first grade, did they ever take your silhouette at school? Um, Silhouette? No. Yeah, they had somebody oh, come wait, into like my school. For, like a little... Yeah, because like, okay, yeah. what they would do is they... they what they they came into school and you would sit there. It was kind of like having your picture taken, but they would project a bright light onto you, and then your silhouette would be on the wall behind, and somebody would trace it out and then cut it out, and then they you would get your you would get your silhouette and you could take it home to your mom. Oh yeah, yeah. We we did like it was like an art project or something. Something like that. Yeah. Something like that. So this is this is yeah, one of those. This cool. is a silhouette of Lady Trelawney Hope. Um, and I mm-hmm. I uh in in my naivete thought that Holmes simply had this on him. <laughs> As one does, but no, as we as we learned as we learned earlier, he had he had thought ahead and checked with the guardsmen and everything. I thought I thought it was a real just ah, because fuck you, that's why. But no, it it actually makes mm-hmm. sense that he has this on hand. So he has got her dead to rights, and yeah. she again just will not relent. So he calls her bluff and says, "You there, Butler, Buttle, and get uh, get Lord Trelawney mm-hmm. Hope in here. Uh, Trelawney Hope won't be home for mm-hmm. another fifteen minutes, and Holmes is content to wait." Because he has no, he has no dog in this fight. He has no horse in this race. He has no less problematic animal in this problematic animal situation. So he right. he says, okay, yeah, we can just hang out for him to get home and talk to him. Fine, if you don't want to talk to us, it's fine, whatever. Yeah, and then that, uh, and then at that, she pretty much breaks down immediately. She's like, all right, you know what? I'll tell you. Uh, I don't, I don't want him to have any more trouble than he already has. Right. Um, I'll tell you everything, and she she does. After he, I like the, the. It's kind of a regular thing. I'm sure this happens in actual detective situations too, where he, if you tell people enough about what you know of their mm-hmm. business that they have no idea how you know it, right? They'll just tell you. They'll just give you the rest of oh, it. Oh, absolutely. And it makes sense too. Yeah, it's like, oh well, you obviously know way more than I. Than I, you know, yeah, expected you to. So, you know, oh, that's you, a that is a that is no a point. known interrogation technique. Yeah, you can just because mm-hmm. the cops are allowed to lie to you, at least in America. And I, I don't know exactly <laughs> how yeah. I feel about that. Um, 
I'm not really educated enough to have an informed opinion about it. It seems like it's probably a bad thing to me. But they they can just come yeah. in and says like, look, we got you. There's a great bit in um I think it's one of the Rivers of London books. I could be wrong, which are I believe I've mentioned those mm-hmm. to you before about a uh, a constable in Britain who discovers that magic is real and that there's a whole like division of the metropolitan yeah. police force. It's really good. They're good yeah. books. But there's a bit where he and another agent are preparing to do an investigation, and one of them says, eh, what do you think, split a ream on this? Yeah, yeah, we could probably, probably split a ream. And they pull out a ream of printer paper just from somebody's desk. They just split it between them and stuff it into their files to make it look like the file they have on the guy is three inches <laughs> thick. And they just... Yeah. <laughs> and that was terrifyingly realistic. So, yeah, you can, at least That's in America, I don't awesome. know about England, but in America, you can just walk in and say, look, we know you did it. We have proof. We have you dead to rights, and unless you confess this, that, and the other thing, and it does not have to be true, which is why false confessions mm-hmm. are an epidemic in the United States. But yeah. um, it works here. But in this case, he actually does correct all of it and is not lying. Um, so, uh, But, yeah, so he... Um, uh, yeah, he she she relates uh, her side of the story. Uh, finally, where she had um, she had an embarrassing uh, love letter that she wrote to somebody as a younger girl, yep. and uh, this blackmailer or the, one of the spies slash you know blackmail person had it and is like, hey, you know, I'll, I'll give you this. Uh, right. I'll, I'll either give this to your husband unless you right. can. Go, get me this letter that he, I know he has in yeah. his possession. Unwittingly no commit some is. international like, well, espionage for me, or I'll slap this down like know. an Uno card. Yeah, right. Yeah, she thinks that she's just uh, protecting herself from or protecting her husband from finding out about this letter that she wrote, which she doesn't even like really think about anymore. Right. But if he found out about it, it would just destroy him, break his heart, etc. Right. It would because you know when no one communicates in these stories, right? And because only so, men are allowed and, to have pasts, you see. You know, yeah, and uh, and so she does. She gets him the letter, not having, having no idea what it is, right? And delivers it to Eduardo Lucas, and he gives her. Uh, her letter and she has it she takes it home she's like great problem solved no problem and then she realizes the next day when uh trelawney hope finds out that it's missing uh that she made a big bad yeah <laughs> she, she a, did she a, a bad thing she's talking to holmes and, and she she says put yourself in my position mr holmes what was i to do and holmes says <laughs> take your husband into your confidence and just drops the mic <laughs> i <laughs> There's so many moments where Holmes just like basically queer eyes these people, and it's just like if y'all just communicate. For real, I don't know. I'm not a relationship expert, but like me and Watson have been together for this long. Right. Like, we've never had any problems. No, I've but, never like, been in a relationship, know, just... but from what I can see, it seems like you all are bad at them. So just take <laughs> what you would normally do in a given situation, which is apparently let. A strange man tell you how to make an impression of a key to your husband's locked government document lockbox, have the key furnished, steal a document for him, then deliver it to him at his home in Godolphin Street by the dead of night, because apparently that's much simpler than just talking to your husband. So take that, and don't do it. Do the opposite of that, which is say, hello, husband, I am being blackmailed. Please help. Right. Oh, my God. It's, yeah, I, it's such a sitcom trope, but honestly. Yeah. Yeah. So so we figure out that's what it all was. That's what's up. And 
Uh, one second. I gotta bring my bear back into my head. Do it. Uh, so yeah, she. She's gonna take a sip of my boba tea. It, it, yeah, the women aren't treated great in this. It's kind of like they're not. She's she's presented this very like majestic, beautiful. Everything else is about her looks, kind of person. Yeah, and um, but is not really one of the. I don't know. It's like it's so weird, especially considering that we get some. We get some pretty good, strong female characters earlier we on, do. which just makes stuff like this even more of like and like kind of. I don't know. The thing, the thing is, there are two women in this story, and they are mm-hmm. both driven entirely by fear uh, of different kinds. But yeah. fear is their yeah. primary motivator, and that makes them seem cowardly, especially compared to the men who are also driven by fear, but wear it in kind of a kind of a manlier, more acceptable way. And the thing is, there are people who live their lives like that. They, there's there's nothing saying that these aren't realistic characters or that these kind of people couldn't exist. But the fact of the matter is that, like, the representation of women in these stories, just, like, percentage-wise, yeah, most yeah. most of them <laughs> are fragile, you know, wilting violets or whatever the term is, who don't know how to handle right. anything in their real lives and are driven entirely from emotion. For every for every Irene Adler, you get five or six Lady Trelawney hopes, and it's not a great yeah. ratio. And I mean, I'm sure there's like a historical because women really weren't allowed to do shit. That's back a point. That's a point. That day, yeah, they, so, they weren't taught I to mean, do things to for her, themselves. Yeah. Right, and, like, to her, for in a historical context, like, I mean, nowadays we're reading this and we're like, okay, international, you know, war is definitely much more serious and important of a thing right. than, like, oh, an embarrassing text you sent. Right. But it, looking at this, that's kind of what the comparison is. Yeah. But in a historical context, it's, like, to her to like women at the time their marriage was their whole their world. it had to be their whole life yeah. like whether they wanted to like they were obviously all individual people with their own ambitions or anything they just weren't allowed to really pursue them to the extent that men were but so all they had to work with was just they had to they they had to marry good and you know correct hope that that lets them it, it was their freedom basically yeah uh and so like i get it but also it's just kind of like in a modern perspective, it's still a little bit depressing well, to just remember that that was, yeah. And the explanation she gives is that she didn't know about the letter. She doesn't understand the politics. She she said that her husband uh, takes her into his confidence with every matter in his life except the politics. And that she doesn't mm-hmm. understand the politics. She doesn't understand the international situation. What she does understand is their marriage and their love for each other. Yeah. And so she made the choice of what she knew protecting what she knew over protecting what she didn't know and that's understandable i'm not gonna say it's fair it certainly wasn't the correct thing yeah. to do but like we were watching um the good but doctor def- yeah, last night yeah, it, is, it is understandable yeah, yeah there there was a situation mm-hmm. where a man uh a man's wife it, it was a thing where like they couldn't save the wife and the baby at the same time and the husband said uh mm-hmm. save the wife please <laughs> and you know that yeah. per- that perspective, and the wife was all, "No, don't save me, save the baby, Reginald." Um, but it's <laughs> the point is like he didn't know the baby; he knew his wife. The baby was not real to him, whereas yeah. to her, this was a thing that had grown inside her and with whom she was deeply bound and connected. Just like with Trelawney Hope, mm-hmm. like the politics is what he does every single day; it's what he breeds. But like Mrs. Trelawney Hope only knows that her husband is very upset and doesn't want him to get more upset, and is using you know what leverage yeah. she has in this world to try to fix that. 
Um, so to that end, she goes to take the letter to Eduard Lucas at Godolphin Street, which is so much fun to say. And when she arrives, <laughs> there is a woman outside just hanging out like you do. It's Victorian times, which is, you know, being trollops out in the street. And so she completed their trade. There was a sound at the door, steps in the passage. Lucas, very quiddly, quiddly, very quid, <laughs> very quiddly, very quiddly. Lucas hid the letter beneath it. God damn it. Lucas hid the letter beneath the rug. How does it feel, Casey? How does it feel? <laughs> it feels. He quiddled it under the he rug. Quiddled. There's he an underwater bottle being a puddle it. battle. And, okay. <laughs> nice flex there. Thank you. Um, Luke, I, I had to use what I had at hand. Uh, Lucas, he hiked the letter. Quiddly beneath the rug. That is the true theater kid self defense. Just like, oh yeah, oh yeah, you're gonna you're gonna get one up on me. Here's a tongue twister. Yeah, yeah. I'm just gonna say what it real up? fast. But you can't do that. Iambic pentameter, bitch. Ah. <laughs> um, so he uh, hid the letter beneath yep. the rug and he covered quiddled it. it. Yes, he did. Quiddled it, but good. Just as a <laughs> crazed French dame enters, screaming in French that, aha, I have found you with her. And a, a knife hug <laughs> ensued. Now, uh, Madame Trelawney mm-hmm. Hope, because she has got a damn lick of sense, beat her feet the hell out of there. And, uh, as you noted, yeah. only, only learned about the fallout the next morning. And then she saw her husband's anguish at the loss of the letter. She endeavored to retrieve it, stalking out the place and finally duping poor Constable McPherson, uh, long enough to snatch it away. She explains, she gives Holmes the letter. Holmes says, for the love of God, put the fucking letter back in the box and put the fucking box back where it fucking was. <laughs> so they, they just, they shove the letter in there with some Undo other papers. Undo this problem. Yes, exactly. Command Z. And, and they, they, it's, it's a larger scale version of the thing Holmes did back at the crime scene because she puts the box back and everybody like poses, just takes their places just as Trelawney Hope yep. is rising. Gosh, the parallels are so good. It really is. It's so good. So uh, Holmes says that Poetic cinema. he doesn't feel, he isn't convinced that the letter was taken by anyone or for that matter that it left the house or even the lockbox. And the Secretary for European Affairs <laughs> kindly requests that Mr. Holmes, at his first possible opportunity, of course, desist from dicking them around and get to the point. Mm-hmm. I love when people tell Holmes that. It's like, yeah, exactly. He always deserves it. <laughs> he, he really does. But like he, very few people actually say it, and it's just you know, <laughs> it's nice to see it every once in a while. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Now Holmes. Holmes says, uh, "Have you looked in the box since Tuesday?" Uh no. We've been a little busy panicking. Uh, but dude, what if it's mm-hmm. there? Dude, it is not there. If I come over there and I find it, and at this point, the, <laughs> the, the prime minister is just like, for fuck's sake, just get the box. And, and Trelawney Hope. We can solve this right now. Just go get this. it. But Trelawney Hope throws a fit and he says, oh sure, my butler has nothing better than to bottle to bust his buns to bring in the box. We've, oh. Oh. <laughs> hmm. Well. Mm. It would, uh. <laughs> Hmm. <laughs> it would. It's so good. No, he gets the box. He opens it up. He's like, "Look, a letter from this guy. A letter from this dude. Scott. My letter from my freaking butcher. Here's the. Wait. Wait. Because <laughs> the letter's right there, and he's just. All right. Hold well, on. Well, 
Huh. I swear to you, it wasn't. <laughs> Wait a minute. Like, and so as someone with, as someone with legit, like, memory issues, I felt this in my core. Because yeah. Because I will, like, swear up and, it's like when you are going in your backpack, this literally happened to me, like, a couple days ago. I was, like, digging through my backpack, like, okay, my sunglasses are in here somewhere, and I'm digging, I'm digging, but I'm, like, walking at the same time, so sure. I'm not giving my full attention to the task. And I'm like, oh, well, alright, weird, I guess they're not in there. I go for my walk, which was, like, an hour long i come back <laughs> i walk through my door like get something else out of my backpack unrelated mm-hmm. like a water bottle or something and then i see my sunglasses there and i'm like ah huh well all right so, that's that mystery solved <laughs> so <laughs> no that happened today um, as i was getting ready to record i needed to find my ear an epidemic and, yeah no i needed my wired ones and i i said to my missus i said deej donna have you have you seen my earbuds and she said well you've left them on the counter i said no not the wireless ones those don't work for this i need my wired earbuds have you seen them and she said well aren't mm-hmm. they in your sock drawer and there is no earthly reason for these earbuds to be in my sock drawer, mind you. Nevertheless, it seems like a strange place to keep them. Yeah. Nevertheless, she is smarter than I am, and I have found that taking her <laughs> advice, even when I don't understand it, usually yields good results. So, I go over to my sock drawer. Women generally are smarter than men. Yes. There I you agree. go. I pull it open. I'm like socks, socks, handkerchiefs. No, it's not in here. And she comes over and says, I would swear that I saw it in there. And she's helping me dig through, dig through. And I said, honey, it's not in here. Why on earth would it be here? And she just turns to me. And she says, oh, well, I must have dreamed that then. <laughs> it was, it was a vindicating moment. I'm not going to lie, but also <laughs> that's. Fair. It I is mean, fair. I got plenty. I got some boring dreams happening in my head yeah. at night, and sometimes they just blend in with real life. I mean, I, I, an, an idea that you had in a dream is better than no idea. So I guess fine. Mm-hmm. And eventually, yep. we did. Well, thank you for that like, lead. We tried. She yeah. went. We just we searched for a solid two minutes before she thought, "Huh? Wait uh, a minute. Yeah. <laughs> I might have been asleep <laughs> when I saw them in your sock drawer." You know what really should have tipped me off? She's not tall enough to see into my sock drawer. Oh no! (laughs) It's it's the second time. First of all, how? How? I'm gonna bring that up with her. But the fact that you believed the fact that you believed her anyway is honestly so sweet. Well, yeah. Why wouldn't I believe her? No, she's she's in my sugar spots. No, she is wise. Uh, Oh god. Okay. So I love it. Everything's fine. Everybody's asses are saved. Mm-hmm. Trelawney Hope says, Mr. Holmes, you're a wizard or sorcerer. How did you know it was there? And Holmes says, Because I knew it was nowhere else. You know, wise. Yeah. Just like <laughs> Confucius say. <laughs> you know? Just like, I can afford to look, I can afford to look cool. Holmes is such a fucking drama yeah. queen. <laughs> He is. I love it. I just, it's very good. And Trelawney Hope is rejoicing. He has his wife go and hire some street urchins to come and dance for everyone. And while he's out of the room, the prime minister says, "Yeah, I'm not buying this. Where did you like? What really? Like what? Where? I'm so. I'm yeah, so. Like, oh, I'm so incredulous. On. My accent dropped halfway through the sentence. Yeah, like what's the fucking deal here, Holmes? <laughs> you can't put one past mm-hmm. old Billingsworth or whatever my name is, and." And do you have a, do you have the quote for the end of the what's it there? Uh, yeah, Holmes. So the very last line of the story. Uh, yeah. The premier says, uh, "Come, sir. There's more to this than meets the eye. How came the letter in the box?" And then Holmes turned away, smiling from the keen scrutiny of those wonderful eyes. We also have our diplomatic secrets," said he. And picking up his hat, he turned to the door. 
boom. <laughs> it's yeah, just drops it and leaves. I yeah, I like it. It's very much I it's kind of one of those things where it's like from Holmes's perspective, he's having a little more fun than probably he should have. Oh yeah, yeah. He should be having solving this case and from no, Doyle's Holmes, perspective, Holmes is, it's Holmes like is being I'm going to make Holmes seem here. as cool as possible yeah. right now for the readers. Like here you go. Um and yeah, it's great. It's yeah. it's really fun. It was and, really good. Uh, it was a lot of fun. I enjoyed it a lot. Uh who gets your yeah. Huxtable award? Did you find yourself a Huxtable? I I I don't know. I mean, there weren't there weren't a ton of characters in this one, but um Lestrade was just having a great time. He I was. I want to just give it to him this time. He yeah. like Lestrade he just had goes a really good day. Just with the quickness of how he, as soon as Holmes tells him to go interrogate that constable, he turns right around on his heel and does, he does. like without even blinking. And then he comes it's back great. and he's like, About- "Of course I've solved it. I'm Greg Lestrade." It's just he just like <laughs> he, he accepts much like much like Casey when this when it is suggested that his earbuds might be in his sock drawer. Lestrade accepts without question that he has somehow solved the case without his own knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> Of course I did. I'm me. Exactly. <laughs> God. Yeah. I'll deserve great. Um, I'll deserve some froyo after this. <laughs> I'm gonna try so hard to like find some way for you to watch this episode because you it, it's just so word for word. Like yeah. of all the episodes that they the T V adaptations that they did, it's so close to the story that it's just like honestly really fun. Right on. Um and the way that all the everything plays over, like the jokes and everything right. just goes so well. Yeah. Some of them are scriptier than others. Um, this one mm-hmm. clearly it has a it has a very visual flavor to it. It's not hard to see it being like performed visually, like on stage or or yeah. on television. So I can I can see that transition working very well. Um, so mm-hmm. so Lestrade yeah. gets your Huxtable. My Huxtable award is going to go to Constable McPherson, that poor son of a bitch. Yeah, whose only crime was hospitality. Bad day. He really did. <laughs> and the reason was, he started talking to her, and it was just a little toss-off line. He said, Oh, because it gets lonely here on the night shift. And he just, like... Right! He just... His I know. choices His choices are, admit someone to the crime scene he's supposed to be guarding, or hang out where a dude was killed all alone by yourself all night. <laughs> I honestly can't blame him. No. And, Fair like... Call. And also, the guy they got to play him in the episode is just the most like sad puppy looking dude oh, the buddy. whole time like he just it's so good does he have it's a handlebar so mustache tell me he has a handlebar mustache i don't remember i don't think he does i think he's clean shaven but kind of has like chubby cheeks sure like he's kind of like a um, bulldog cheeks what's that what's that british comedian's name um the guy who does the carpool karaoke i love him uh i do not know uh, hold on i'm gonna figure it out do it one second Carpool karaoke host. James Corden. James Corden. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I know that. Yeah, guy. he's a British. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's the British John Mulaney. Despite so the fact good. that John Mulaney yeah. looks like he's going to be British when you see him. <laughs> kind of, yeah. I was very um, surprised to learn that he was not. I don't know about you. <laughs> I don't know. To me, he does. He does look like an like an American radio host, kind of like fifties sure. type of guy. Yeah, I could see you that. Know? He has kind of a Murrow but, um, vibe to him. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So James yeah. Corden, he's got the he's got the got the got the bulldog cheeks. 
So mm-hmm. that was the adventure of the second stain. It was a lot of fun. It was a longer one, and it it, does, it was a longer one, but it was full of action. Uh, it was full of energy. Uh, no part of it really dragged, and uh, it was a lot of fun. I enjoyed it a lot. Well, let's find oh, out. Oh yeah, no, it, did, next, it didn't Nicholas. drag at all. Yeah. All right. Let's see. Here. Uh, how how are we gonna do this? Bruce? Well, what I'm gonna do? What I'm gonna do? So okay, I'm gonna let you know. I have started adding mm-hmm. to our canon list. Uh, of stories we're going to read because Major Spoilers, a uh, comic books and pop culture uh, podcast of which I'm a big fan. They're the ones who produce Critical Hit, which is the D&D podcast I told you about in the pre-show. Oh, I thought you were about to drop a spoiler and I was confused no. because I was like that's fair. No, I apologize. <laughs> the, this, I the show this. is called Major Spoilers. <laughs> um, they tweeted okay, about the, the comic adaptation of Neil Gaiman's uh, A Study in Emerald, which is a sort of Lovecraftian Ooh. take on, on the Holmes mythos. It's just a short story. So I put that in our yes. list here. So I'm going to start putting extra canonical stuff in here. We're mainly going to stick to the canon, but every once in a while, if there's an, you know, if there's something else we think we need to take a look at, like Neil Gaiman writing a Sherlock Holmes story, then, you know, maybe we'll stumble right? upon that. That's freaking inspired. I love that. And also, I had heard of that story, but I haven't actually read it yet. So I would love to read it for the first Very time. Good. I, I heard about it, and I was like, that sounds it's amazing. Dope. It's dope um, as hell. It's real yeah, good. So. Okay, have so you read it? I have. Um Oh, okay. Wow. I, I have once a very long Roller time ago. It was in one like of his, it. Well, it was in one of his collections of short stories, and I think it will not surprise the reader to learn that I went through a very heavy gaming period uh, not too terribly <laughs> long ago. It may be ongoing. I may uh, have received an American Gods t-shirt for Christmas. <laughs> I love it so much. Um, okay, but let's see what we're reading next. I'm going to go ahead and roll my yeah. D's 100 here. Go. I've read Coraline, and that's Fair. it. But it was Incredible. great. It was amazing. We are reading... Wait, is that 60? We are reading... Okay, the number that came up was 69, which is larger than we have. 69. Nice. There it is. Had to be done. (laughs) Um, Son of a bitch. I was trying to math. God damn it. (laughs) Uh, Okay, cut 69 in half, and we're at 34, because we round down. Okay, so yeah. Uh, Mm -hmm. And number 34 on our list here is 1913. Ooh, this is a late one. Uh, 1913's The Dying Detective. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. I'm very familiar with this one. Yeah, it's a good one. It's off the shits. I like it. It's it's off the shits. You heard it here first, folks. Off the shits. (laughs) Off the shits. Um, Yeah, it's it's a weird one, but it's not necessarily bad. It's just... I don't know. I'll, I'll let you make your own decision. Okay, I'll, I'll fair let enough. you make your own. Uh, no, I'm yeah. excited. All right, well, folks. Well, yeah. next time, do your homes work. Yeah, I've been waiting on that one. Mm. Do your homes work. For next- <laughs> Shut the fuck up with your mm, your passive aggression. <laughs> <laughs> you make so many jokes. I can't. <laughs> No, that's the thing. It's just rapid fire because if one doesn't land, I can just move on to the next one. It's fine. They don't have to be good. There's so many of them. It's um, like one of them's got a hit. One of them's. One yeah. would think. So, uh, yeah, read The Dying Detective for next time. Um, I want to give a shout out to some friends of ours. As we mentioned earlier, the, uh, the Weekly Watsonian are some super solid dudes. Go listen to that. It's, it's way funnier than it has any right to be, honestly, for being a 20 minute in depth look at, at various fictional and real life people called John Watson. It's very good. Um, oh yeah. Whether you are into Sherlock Holmes much or not, it's very entertaining. Yeah. yeah, the the level of detail they go into W slash R slash T Johns Watson is incredibly impressive and more than a little intimidating, I'm not gonna lie. Um 
Good Game, Great Game are uh, a video game podcast. They are friends of ours. If you like good goof-em-ups and or video games, go listen to those cats. They're real good. Um, I just started listening to Dungeons and Daddies, uh, which is very specifically not a BDSM-themed Dungeons and Dragons podcast, and that stayed true for almost four whole episodes. Um, you should go listen to them. It's a lot of fun. Uh, and Nicholas, I believe you had a pluggable you wanted to plug. Yes. Um, give me one second. I'm just going to shut my door real quick because my plates got back, but I will be right back for that. Roommate pause. Nick is closing up his door so his roommate doesn't hear him. Be a shill for capitalism. Hi. <laughs> Hi. Um, <laughs> so, that was great. Um, actually, don't cut that. Keep it all in. Um, no, so, uh, yeah, I just wanted to real quick, this is totally just off the cuff. I, um, do, uh, I, I have a hobby where I, uh, I do photography as a hobby and sort of a side business. Um, I live in the Pacific Northwest. It's beautiful out here. The scenery yeah. is incredible. Photogenic um, as hell. I, I take a lot of, yes, I take a lot of nature pictures. I have a Tumblr blog and I have a Redbubble account, which is linked in my Twitter profile. So if you go to the top of my Twitter profile, there's a link to my Redbubble. You can buy prints of some of the pictures. Um, they make great gifts. People love receiving photography for gifts. It's um, true. I can, contest to that i've given out a lot as presents there uh there some really nice scenes out here if you want to buy some of my photography that would be awesome i'm mostly just going to be using the money for to buy my friends christmas gifts i'm extremely yeah, the holidays poor. Are coming up. um and yeah this is a kind of just like a side thing so if you like uh nature if you like photography if you want to support original artists um outside of this this is one of my hobbies and my other big huge one is photography so yeah check it out if you like um i've got some really nice images i'm, I'm updating it regularly mm-hmm. and uh if you see something there's only a few uh i i it's, the red bubble is pretty new so i don't have a ton of pictures up there i have quite a right. few but if you want to see more i can also link my i'll also link my tumblr blog on there which has a huge amount of pictures i've got some uh socal based and themed photography beach stuff and i also have a lot of um pacific northwest trees nature forest it's uh, great so yeah now if you like do you take um, requests and commissions could we get a custom print of something we want um yeah i i haven't done much of that outside of headshots of so, people but yeah I, I i would be down so if you received a mysterious anonymous request uh for a series mm-hmm. of stills featuring breakfast food let's say and (laughs) and these orders came in uh for years and it eventually turned out to be (laughs) simply a ploy by your friends who loved and wanted to support you and also had a borderline inappropriate fondness for breakfast foods especially when placed in a photographically (laughs) flattering light and context so that would that's something you would be open to is what i'm getting yes yes i would absolutely it sounds like a fun challenge very good. Okay, so we'll, sure. we'll see the the breakfast manifesto uh, will be along directly. And where can they find you on Twitter, Nick? Um, I'm at Wayfarers underscore all. And if you Correct. can guess what a re- what that is a reference to, I will give you not money because I don't have any, but I will give you something. If you there can. you go. It's, maybe it's okay. Well, maybe that, could, maybe that could be a. Um, I assume it's Tolkien. Is it Tolkien? Nope. No, I thought, and it was that's Tolkien. the only hint I'm going to give you. Damn, nope, it's it's not, it's not Tolkien, close, but you're kind of close in right. era. Well, maybe if, maybe if they guess it, but maybe maybe if they guess it, you can give them like ten percent off their order or something. 
Oh yeah, absolutely. I'd be willing to do that. Yeah. Okay. That'd so be, guess yeah. guess where guess where Nick's name is from, and you'll get ten percent off the order. Yeah, you can find Nick at under mm-hmm. Wayfarers under Wayfarers under. You can find Nick at Wayfarers. God <laughs> damn it! Every fucking time, Nicholas. Problem. <laughs> <laughs> The final problem. Yeah, the, the final, final problem. The final plumb. The final purpose. The <laughs> final <laughs> pear shaped. The final triple gibbles. Yes. Uh, <laughs> you can find Nick at Wayfarers underscore all. You can find me at Hotheltia. God damn it. <laughs> Uh, you got this. You can find Nick at Wayfarers underscore all. You can find me at Hotel Theotokos. You can find us, the show, at The Final Podblum. Please do follow us. Uh, we are really interactive with our fans, many of whom are great. The aforementioned uh, bullpup Samson at the beginning of the show is responsible for a great many arts uh, dealing with the increasing roster of animal mascots and Victorian formal wear that we have invented, such as Prime Minister Polka Dots and um, Secretary Quaxford, who would have been right at home in this story. Uh, write in with your mm-hmm. questions, your comments, your thoughts. We would love to do a mailbag episode, and so far we do not have enough mail to do one. You can also, as we mentioned earlier in the episode, if you should like to, you can go find us on Patreon at Semi-Automagic and support us. Five bucks a month gets you episodes most of a week early, most times. And also, uh, <laughs> if you enjoyed our Holmes and Watson episode, we are going to be posting monthly movie review episodes only on the Patreon feed so and also we do some goof arounds in the pre-show when we record and talk about today we talked about pokemon for a long time so if that's something interesting to you (laughs) consider consider ponying up a lincoln and uh contributing to our fiduciary well-being well until then all our buddies yep do your homes work we'll see you next time and here nick take the sign off the what Take the sign off. The sign up. You, you dropped the sign off, the Nick. Sign? It's all dusty. Oh, oh it fell yeah, in the, the dirt off. by your feet. Oh, it fell by your dirty, dirty my, uh, foot dirt. It's all dustful door. now. I'm wearing socks. Um, I, it's, my room is tidy. Uh, the sign off is. Um, the sign off of the four. Listening to the. Oh, that was a good one. That was good. Um, okay, the condescension. Uh, I no, it was. It was genuine. Um. <laughs> My tone is just indecipherable. I'm Ever since so you awkward. threw me when we did the intro, goof, the, 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 the intro goof, I can't tell whether or not you're joking anymore. <laughs> I can't either. Am I joking? I don't know. Um, Your veneer of sincerity oh man, is the podcast. impenetrable. This is so hard. Um, we have so, to stop recording. Nick, get us out of here. <laughs> uh, thank you for listening to The Final Problem. This is Nick and Casey. Bye. <laughs> Bye, everybody. We love you. Um, I actually, uh, I have, okay, I want to introduce the show this week, and I am, I have an idea that I think you're gonna, I think you're gonna pick up and play with me on it, but if it doesn't work, it doesn't work, and we don't have to worry about it, alright? We'll see. Yep, go for it. Alright, so I'm gonna leave this in. (coughs) Okay, (laughs) alright. Are you? Okay, no, I'm gonna do it, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. Okay. This week we read The Purloined Letter. Wait. No. Oh, I... Wait a minute. Oh, shoot. Well, wait. Yeah. No, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Purloined, purloined letters. Wait, I thought we were... Purloined I letters. Thought... Per- plural. I mean...
There, there was a letter in it, but... There w- yeah, no, never mind. This joke didn't work. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> I thought it <laughs> <worked>. <laughs> The Perloid letter's an Edgar Allan Poe story, but this one has a I, stolen letter in it, so I thought... I... I... Uh, never you're mind. gonna keep that whole thing, aren't you? You're gonna keep that whole thing, aren't you? <laughs> No. Yes, Look, you have to, panic on your face. No, I'm so sorry. <laughs> oh my god, I was acting, Casey. What? I was acting. Son of a bitch! I, you picked up your notebook. How was I supposed to know? You just talked about how you were good at improv. <laughs> I lied. <laughs> acting, acting. Okay, there actor. you go. There's layers to this. I don't know. Okay, all I'm right. so dumb. Sometimes it becomes intelligence. That's fair. You you, so you go back around the other side of the curve. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, we'll try that again. Now that we know what we're working with. <laughs> Wait. What am I supposed to? You can't just tell me that I'm gonna run along with it. And you're not gonna run give along with it. No, oh, you're Mr. Big Improv over there. Come on, you can figure it out. <laughs> Keep the ball in the air, motherfucker. <laughs> oh my god. All right. <clears throat> uh, this week we read. The Purloined Letter. No, we didn't. Wait. Oh, you're right. No. The Purloined Letters. That's right. There are two of them. There there was... Oh, yeah. There was. Yeah. I read... We read the same story. We read the Don't same worry. story. It was... <laughs> it was the second stain. <laughs> Never mind. This is a dumb joke. <laughs> Please keep the first one. I thought that was so funny. Okay. No, I'll put that... That'll be a stinger. That'll be a stinger. Oh, my God. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. Right. Uh, so now we have to think right. of a real one. Um... <laughs> Let's see. Second Let's stain. see. Uh, carpet cleaning services. Um, carpet. There's something there. Hardwood or how to get blood out of hardwood. Now, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, <What? laughs> I have to admit, like after after we did the five orange pips and you invited Dylan onto our podcast and you said something about how he brought an energy that we didn't quite have because you and I were like a little too tentative with each other. I've been trying mm-hmm. intentionally to be like the gloves are off, man. <laughs> Let's come on. <laughs> and you know what? It's hilarious. Yeah, no, it was a good it's friendship, awesome. bitch. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Okay, we just right. leveled up like three levels. This week we read The Second Stain. Oh man, we read the sequel before the first one? <laughs> yeah, that was good. I really liked that one. Oh, that was great. Good. I really want the the post show goof to be at least one of the many. There there should just there's going to be like 5 by the end of it. Yeah. Um to just be like various cuts of you just giggling and wheezing because you have the best laugh i'm so sorry it's funny. really funny no you have um, a great laugh every time when i say something dumb and i just hear you go bah! it just it makes me very happy i feel like i feel like i sound like i'm choking or something see that's the thing but, i feel like i sound like fucking muttley from snidely woodledge like <laughs> i fucking hate it it's stupid uh, oh my god The 
game is afoot, all our buddies. Welcome back to the final Podblum, the only Sherlock Holmes read-through podcast that, uh... It's I was just, powered by bees. <laughs> it's powered by bees. I was just hoping it would come naturally. Like, if I just gave it an opening, <laughs> the spirit would, would descend upon me, and it did not. Take two. Take okay. two. <laughs> for the post show gives.